It's been a, a very special day so far, a, a day like we've, we've never had a service like this ever. I've been a pastor since 1994, and uh, this is the first time we've had so many things happening in the lead of, up to the, the message at the end. This is a shorter message than I would normally bring. Not massively shorter, but it's a bit shorter. And uh, the, the title that I'd like to share with you this morning is The Much More Principle. We should have a PowerPoint slide coming up very soon. The Much More Principle. Uh, I used to be a farmer, so I'm very familiar with the Much More Principle. In fact, without the Much More Principle, there wouldn't be any farming. Is totally reliant upon it. Jesus said, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Now I've got a PowerPoint of some sacks of wheat coming up, hopefully. Uh, there we are, we've got some sacks of wheat. I, I don't think they look that interesting. Well, you might, but I, I personally don't think they look that interesting. Uh, the, but when those seeds are put into the ground and die and produce a crop, I think it looks stunning. So let's go on to the next one. When you look at a field of wheat, um, this, is, this might be the farmer coming out in me, so, you know, give me a bit of latitude. But I think that is a gorgeous sight. What a transformation from a few bags of wheat to a field of wheat. Incredible. You see, seeds give themselves to become much more than themselves. There's a principle there that is within nature and it's within us too. I I have in my pocket, I took it out of my coat pocket because I've had this in my coat pocket for years now. And somebody at the back is saying, what's he holding up? (laughs) Well, I've got one on the screen for you so that you can see what it is. It is an acorn. So what on earth am I doing carrying an acorn around in my coat pockets? Every time I put my hand in my coat, I feel this acorn. It's because as a church we have a vision statement. And the vision statement is to see God's love transform lives as we follow him. God gave to this church uh, a chapter of the Bible that was very special to us from the very beginning when we were just a small number of people. It was from Isaiah 61. And in that, it talks about God using us to transform lives, bringing good news to the poor, comforting the brokenhearted, Setting captives free. Comforting those who mourn. Seeing people move from mourning into joy, from despair into praise. When we get to verse 3, it says this. They will be like great oaks planted by the Lord. Got a picture of an oak tree. What a transformation. Don't you think? What a transformation from a tiny acorn to a mighty oak that in its lifetime will produce thousands of acorns. Isn't that a picture of fruitfulness? Isn't that a picture of productivity? Unless the acorn 
falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if he dies, it produces a mighty oak. Before we continue looking at the death and transformation, I want to pause and I want to consider what the alternative is because there is an opt-out option here and there's that little phrase that is so poignant. It remains alone. It doesn't have to go into the ground and die and produce something wonderful. It can remain alone. In other words, it can count for nothing. It will not become what it was intended to be. However successful it might be in the eyes of others, however well polished it might be, and however well framed it might be, and however attractive it might be, it has missed the whole point. And Jesus told a story in Luke 12, which kind of explains that in a better way than I could. So, Luke 12, verse 16. A rich man had a fertile farm and produced fine crops. He said to himself, what should I do? I don't have room for my crops. Then he said, I know, I'll tear down my barns, I'll build bigger ones, then I'll have room enough to store all my wheat and other goods, and I'll sit back and say to myself, my friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. You will die this very night. Then who will get everything you worked for? Yes, a person is a fool who stores up earthly wealth, but not having a rich relationship with God. Wow. If we walk through this life missing the key relationship that we were created to know, then we will walk through this life alone. Not devoid of human company, but producing nothing of eternal value. You know, if we live without God, we will die alone without God. I don't know about you, but that option doesn't feel very attractive. (laughs) The alone option is not one that I'm interested in. And that helps motivate me to pay the price to gain the productivity, to experience the transformation. Because the two key characteristics of the much more principle are the price and the productivity. It really amazes me that that God didn't shout down and say to us, you've got to die to self, to self-will, and follow me. He could have done that. But instead, he came down, and he lived on earth, and he modelled death to self-will to produce a harvest. The greatest example of this principle of a costly death and a massive increase is seen in God the Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus' death and resurrection 
have, has, is, and will produce many transformed lives. On that final day at the end of time, when everybody stands before Jesus Christ, and that is going to happen one day, those who stand before him, who are the fruit of his death and resurrection, will be innumerable. It will be so vast that we cannot count the fruit. So Jesus is, death has produced many sons and daughters who are in the kingdom of God. But not only that, his death produced a resurrection body. A body that will never decay, that will never know pain, that isn't restricted by the natural order that could go through walls. A bit like beam me up Scotty. Not only has he received that resurrection body, but all those who follow him will one day get one of these bodies too. That's going to be an awesome present. (laughs) When God gives me the gift of a resurrection body with no more pain, no more suffering, no more tears, no more sorrow, then no more sickness. And that can just move here, there, and everywhere. Awesome! (laughs) I'm looking forward to it. What awesome productivity. So nobody has ever been so productive in what they will achieve through their death. But no one has suffered so much. We haven't time today to look at what the death of Jesus Christ really meant. But we can see how painful it was by looking in the Garden of Gethsemane just before he went to the cross, knowing he was going there, and he had to die to self-will. He has modelled for us death to self-will. And he was praying to God the Father, and he said, if it is possible, if it is possible, take this cup from me. What did he mean, this cup? The cup of the sins of the whole world. To pay the price for that. And as Jesus looked at the cost of that, and the cruel death of crucifixion, He didn't want it. He did not want to do it. But he died to self-will. And he said, not my will, but yours be done. None of us will ever have to die at such a deep level to self-will. None of us will be asked to bear the sins of the whole world I don't even want to carry my own sin, let alone anybody else's. I've gladly given my sin to Jesus. Because I don't want the shame of it. I don't want the muck of it. I don't want the weight of it. I don't want to pay for it. Because I deserve punishment for it. But Jesus has taken it for me on the cross. And he's done that for you. He's taken all the payment for your sin, that you might have a clean heart, that you might be transformed from a little acorn to a mighty oak, that your life might fulfill the plan and the purpose that God has for you. 
But in order to receive that transformation, we've got to pay a price. It's free. (laughs) God doesn't charge for it, but we've got to pay a price. The Bible says, he who seeks to gain his life will lose it. But whoever seeks to lose his life will keep it. Like Jesus, we have to die to self-will to say yes to God's will. Now, you can't live for yourself and live for God. It's impossible. Like Jesus, it may well involve wrestling with God, as he did in the Garden of Gethsemane. It was a wrestling time of, am I going to really do this? Am I going to die to self-will? When I was 14 years of age, it was the first time I experienced the much more principle in my personal life. God convicted me of my sin. The sin of living in God's world as though he didn't exist. The sin of pride that I didn't need God. The sin of following my plan instead of God's plan. And many other sins as well. I'm not going to go into all of them. See, if you were to put a screen here with all my sin on it, I'd leave. And I think if I put a a video of your life on here, you'd probably leave too. You know, we live in a society that tells us that we haven't done anything wrong and we're all fine. It's a lie. We have done stuff wrong. We've all got stuff wrong. So God convicted me. And deep within that I knew that he loved me. I knew that his plan for my life was good. A better plan than mine, but I wanted to do it my way. And so there was a wrestle in my heart. I wrestled with it. And eventually said... Yes, Lord. Eventually, I died to self-will and asked Jesus to forgive me and come into my life, and he did. And the next day, I tasted of the transformation. I tasted of the transformation. 14-year-old boy going to school, I was walking down the lane, heading towards the bus stop, and I had a peace and a joy that I had never, ever known before. I tasted the transformation. The life of God was within me. It was an awesome taste. But within 14 hours, self was reasserting itself. And I did not take the opportunity of telling my best mate that I had become a Christian. I became a silent Christian and walked away from God for four years. Paul writing to the Christians in the first century at Rome, he said this, offer your bodies as living sacrifices to God. See, the problem with the living sacrifice is it can get off the altar and walk away. And that's what I did for four years. You know, you can say yes to God's will and start going God's way and then turn back and start going your way again. You know, there have been a number of key moments in my life where I've had this wrestling match in my heart and I've had to die to self-will again and experience the resurrection and transforming power of God again. And I'm not going to go through all of them. It would take far too long. I'm just going to take one key time. In 1994, God called me and my wife and four children to Cornwall. The cost was leave your biological family. The cost was leave your church family. The cost was leave all your friends in the northwest of England and go somewhere where you don't know anybody 
apart from one person that you met for five minutes. That was the cost. There was clearly a debt to self-will in that. What was the result? Well, just before we arrived in Helston to begin to lead Light and Life Helston, God gave a word to a man who was visiting the church, and he had this word. He said that the church in Helston would come into great blessing through the new pastor who was coming. And as a result of that, and many other people getting involved as well, hundreds of people have had their lives transformed. Hundreds of people have said, yes, I want to go God's way. Hundreds of people have been baptised. And seven churches have been planted. Now God did that, not me. And not the people who've joined in. God has done that. But, unless an acorn dies, it remains alone. I could have stayed up north and remained alone. Not alone without people, but alone without the, the plan and the purpose of God. Alone without fulfilling what God intended for me, what I was created for. And alone in not seeing people's lives transformed that I could have seen. Unless John Townley is prepared to die to self-will, he will be alone. But if he is prepared to die to self-will, he will produce fruit that will last for eternity. That is an awesome deal. God gives every single one of us that opportunity. God's heart is for everyone to fulfill the plan and the purpose and the destiny that he has for you. But to do that, we've got to die to self-will. I'm going to close with a visual aid. And, oh, Becky's back. Becky was going to do this for me. I've got Peter's a standing. That's why I rushed out earlier. But I want uh, you to imagine that the water in this watering can represents the life that Jesus Christ offers to us. And uh, maybe, Pete, you can be my second beautiful assistant. <laughs> <laughs> Right, I don't know if people can see, maybe if, we, if I come down as well. So, first of all, can't get the staff. <laughs> you don't know what you're doing, do you? I think I do. <laughs> right, first of all, I, I'm going to be in the position of self-will, and I'm going to hold on to my life. I'm going to do it my way. So, this is the water of life that has been poured over me, and... I'm holding on so tightly to my life that it's all missing me. I haven't got anything. Now, this is me saying, I'm going to give my life to Christ and I know that I need him. And I'm going to die to my self-will and my plan and go for his plan. And the water of life is filling my hands. And it does leak, because it does. I constantly need that water of life. Thank you. A towel is what I should have done as well. (laughs) (laughs) A famous missionary who actually was killed by those he went to preach to said this, Jim Elliott. 
He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Let me say that again. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. You know, when... Oh, thank you, John. When we truly engage with God, he wins our hearts. I can guarantee you that. If you truly engage with God and wrestle with him, he will win your heart. The the problem is when we walk away. When we walk away from God and we cease to engage with him and we choose the much less instead of the much more. And that's what I want to leave you with. I want to leave you with that challenge of are you going to settle for the much less or are you going to take hold of the much more? To take hold of the much more, then that involves having the courage to say no to self-will and say yes to God's will.